Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, My mic looks really loud. Let's go with it and see what happens. Maybe my mic's... Maybe I'll back off a little bit from the mic and we'll see what happens. There's every chance my mic's going to be really loud this episode. I don't want to stop because sometimes when I stop, audition goes crazy. So I don't want to do that. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. We are on YouTube right now. Hello, waving cameras sorted. YouTube.com forward slash Miller Report. Um, some people always ask me this. We're on all podcasting apps. We should be everywhere. We should be on YouTube, iTunes, Google, whatever. We're not on Spotify. They don't do it. But if you've got... Any podcasting app you should do is, please go and share this with your friends. Go put it on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Uh, send it to WWE, and they won't watch it. Um, and yeah, we can do it all. and We, we, we can get this stuff going. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really pertain to every, anything now, but maybe you got so excited about Raw 25. You can go and listen to the very special episode I did yesterday where we previewed the whole show. Couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> about everything that could happen. However, you can go listen to that now as well. We're going to go into Raw in a second. Tomorrow, we'll smash SmackDown and we'll get a Raw Rumble prediction show in there as well. So many episodes of Simon Is Pro Wrestling Podcast and it's all made possible thanks to patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316. Is that right? Patreon.com forward That's right. Where you can come support all this madness with cash on Patreon if you could do that. Uh, that would be amazing. While I'm here, actually, a quick shout out. I'm doing a vlog series at the moment on my YouTube channel, youtube.com for Seth Miller Report Rules. Uh, it's all about positivity and life and health and mental well being. I would love for everyone that listens to this to go check those videos out. Uh, they're called Miller's Musings because I like to give titles to stuff. And they're kind of like my little passion project at the moment. So I thought I'd give that a shout out too. Also, I'm going to end this week's podcast with a track that my band did last year. <laughs> So go listen to MG and the Juggernaut. MG and the Juggernaut Dark Fight. Go download that on iTunes or you can stream that on Spotify. There you go. Look at that. There's a little plug for everybody. I don't know why I did that. I don't care. <laughs> my show do what I want. Right, just getting my notes up here. We are going to talk about Raw 25. Now, I am not as down on it as some people are because I'm a happy guy and I just like wrestling. I will point out, and again, please do go watch my What Culture Ups and Downs videos to hear more about this. I will admit that, yes, be reading Squared Circle and the likes this morning and seeing Twitter and Facebook, it does certainly seem that if you were in the Manhattan Center, you got quite a raw deal in the sense you may have paid a lot of money and you didn't really get to see that much. And when stuff was going on at the Barclays Center, you were left in the lurch. I can't really comment more on that because I don't have first-hand experience, so I don't know what else to say. The other thing I'm not going to touch on now, because I had a few tweets about this at Simon316, I'm not going to talk about all the allegations with Enze Amore. It's out there if you want to go read about it. I mean, I found about it on Pro Wrestling Sheet, so I'll point you there, Ryan Satin's website, also on Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer. That's all I'm going to say about it. I don't like talking about those things. That is not wrestling. That is the world of wrestling, and I don't think that's what I've ever talked about when it comes to wrestling. You know, that's that's the lives of wrestlers, which I will talk about, but not with not let's let it play out. Um, but yeah, some people say, "Are you going to talk about this on the podcast?" The answer is no. Talk about the the product. Now, Raw twenty five in general. Now, straight away, when you actually look at it in hindsight, yeah, going back between two venues is a really dumb idea. <laughs> Like, because what were you... Go- Apparently, when you were in the Manhattan Center, you just either had to watch some 205 Live guys or you just watched it on a television screen. And that... And that was... I, I think maybe they should have broadcast the entire Manhattan Center on the network, on the network, which they couldn't have done, I get because of the USA TV deal, blah, blah, blah. But that would have been best and that could have been a concurrent thing. And yeah, that's hard in terms of trying to jump back and forth to different venues. But if that's the 
you know, task you've given yourself, you really need to find a way to do it. So I do understand why that was, uh, why that was an issue. But I think in terms of the show watching on TV, I thought it was very entertaining. And I thought all the backstage stuff with all the legends was great. However, it didn't really have any gravitas to it. There was no weight. Nothing really meant anything. I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but it's true. Um, and it's funny as well because the way Raw started was perfect. All the nostalgia stuff with Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, who got an amazing pop. And it, I'm sure if you're my age, it made you feel like you're 13 years old again. You know, Austin is just amazing anyway. Of course, he's a once-in-a-lifetime performer. But... And again, that served no purpose really other than, you know, uh, letting us enjoy something on television. But the issue there was everything else just didn't feel as good as that. Now, that is 100% how they should have started. I just don't know whether it would have been a better idea to have taken other legends and put them in more scenarios that helped the current story, whereas you bookended it or at least you front-ended it with your more nostalgia stuff with Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I don't know. That's for you to debate. Talk about it in the comments. Tweet me, whatever. But it was brilliant. It was the best part of the whole show. Uh, even I thought everyone was great here. Shane and Stephanie came out and they're like, oh, Raw, you know, brilliant. We've done so well. They invited Vince McMahon to came out. He got a huge reaction. He went heel almost instantly and reminded us that it doesn't matter if he's 728. I think Lance Storm said this at a thousand years old. He is the best character in wrestling history. And there's a reason for that. And that's probably why he's so smart when it comes to pro wrestling. He was great. Yeah, just, just absolutely, you know, ragged on the fans. And then when that glass broke, look at my smile. Look at my smile. It was just like, oh, this is what it's wonderful. It was wonderful. Just go watch that. Don't even watch the rest of Raw. Just go and watch Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back. It gave everybody stunners. It was just fun. It was just fun. And in many ways, it's depressing because I still do like wrestling now. Of course I do. But it wasn't as good as it was 20 years ago. I sound like an old man, but, you know, it was just... It was just great. Stone is, and also, please go and watch the interview Stone Cold Steve Austin did afterwards. It was a WWE.com exclusive. It's on YouTube. Oh, my gosh, it's funny. It's so funny. The man is the best. Anyway, that's how Raw started. And then from there, we get into just, a, as I look at my notes here, an, an interesting show where I think WWE may have struggled a little bit to balance everything they wanted to balance. And they probably did put too many legends on the show. But pff, who knows? I don't think it was terrible. Um, also, the, the whole show started from the Manhattan Center with J, J, uh, JR and the King. There's a rumor going around that Jim Ross and the King fell asleep. Jim Ross has come out and said that's not true. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is true. I sometimes sleep during Raw. It's long. It's a long show. Uh, and interestingly, the first match that we segued into was the eight women's tag match between, where well, here it is, Banks, Azaka, James Bailey versus Rose Deville, Fox, and Jax. Paige was at ringside. Um, and I hate it when women do this, as you know. If you listen every week to Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast, I don't like it. I don't like it. I hate it when the women's segment is the women's segment. Why can't we just have individual storylines? Here, though, because they had the Royal Rumble coming up, this actually made sense. And after the good guys had won, Sasha Banks made Fox tap out to the bank statement. Asuka turned on all her, all her babyface friends and chucked them over the top rope, which made sense. She wants to win the Rumble. She's just proven she can win the Royal Rumble. And she's proven that it's every woman for herself, just like the men's. You watch that on YouTube then, I pointed into the camera like a madman. So this worked great. I think it worked especially well because for once there was another reason for it because you had so many people to get on the show, then yes, put them all in one match. This was fine. This was absolutely fine. I had no problem with this. I don't really know what other people's thoughts on it were. I just thought it did a very good job of getting everything across that it needed to do from a Raw point of view before the Women's Raw Rumble that did get knocked a little bit because of everything else we were trying to do on the show, right? Of course it did. So yeah. Uh, then we had our first legend backstage segment with Kurt Angle, who was like, oh, Braun Strowman's here. Be careful, everybody. I think I've got everyone. It was, uh, Jonathan Coachman was there, Teddy Long, Harvey Wimpleman, Brother Love, Boogeyman turned up, as you know. 
and you've seen this segment a thousand times. It doesn't mean it was bad. It wasn't bad. It was fine. But as we sit here on a Tuesday, is there anything I can really say about it? No. Was that good or bad? You tell me. I don't know. I enjoyed it. And Boogeyman is <laughs> its one of those, hey, you want to you wanna watch this wrestling stuff with me? No, you don't. Um, and it was nice to see all of them. Teddy Long's really thin. I guess he's just old now, but he's really thin. Um, that's what I took away from it. The thing I took away from it is that Teddy Long's thin. But this wasn't necessarily as bad as what came next because we went back to the Manhattan Center again and The Undertaker arrived. Now, this is all on professional wrestling fans' shoulders. It's on my shoulders, on your shoulders. I don't necessarily think it's fair to point the finger of blame at WWE. Um, it depends how you look at it because we all decided The Undertaker coming back to Raw 20... Unless WWE had said something and I'm wrong. But I think we had all decided this was going to be a big deal and this was going to build to an angle. Is Undertaker going to retire? Is he going to have a match with Cena at Mania? And he did nothing. He just cut a normal Undertaker promo. It was fine. The fans loved it. Chanted, holy shit, one more match, all those kind of things. But it didn't progress anything. And again, I don't know if that's on us because we all wanted that to happen and because it didn't, now we're disappointed. But we created the expectations for ourselves. Again, here we, I'm repeating what I just said, but here we are sat on a Tuesday, and great, we saw Taker in the original Raw building that he would have been in 25 years ago. Is he at Mania? Has he retired? Not even the commentators knew. Even the commentators were a bit like, oh, does that mean he's, is that a threat to the rest of the roster? Which makes me think maybe WWE doesn't know. Maybe The Undertaker doesn't know. Maybe you could have just kept him off this show and had this segment on Raw. You could have built, The Undertaker coming back to announce something could have been saved for a Raw all of its own. A February 13th Raw, I know it's a Monday, but you get my point. Because it's a sell point in itself. And then we didn't have to bookend it with it. I don't know. That's just what I took away from it. It was cool. I, I can't give you more than that, he says, putting his shoulders up in the air. Because there's not really that much more to talk about. And if it is The Undertaker versus John Cena at WrestleMania, why didn't we start it here? Why did we wait? Maybe they've got a better plan. But if you've got the better plan, just don't have Undertaker on the show. I know you, someone like Undertaker should be on the Raw 25th anniversary. How important has that man been to, to Monday Night Raw? But you could have announced the announcement. People love doing announcements of announcements in 2018. And I think we could have built to Raw in a few weeks. Oh, what's The Undertaker going to say? Just my two cents. We then get into all this APA stuff. I did this on ups and downs. Please do go watch ups and downs and watch Culture WWE. But basically, they used the APA and their whole backstage office playing poker to get loads of legends in. So Teddy Biossi was there, Jeff Hardy, MVP, the Dudleys. He Slater was playing with Rhino. Uh, Natty was there at one point. I think the New Day turned up. It was just there as a conduit to get people in. But it was just... And it was... I guess it was entertaining enough and Heath Slater kept thinking he was winning at poking, but he... Poking? <laughs> at poker? But he was losing. And then at the end of the night, we had a match between... Who was it? It was the Titus Branks. They were there as well. At one point, Dana Brooke was adding up the numbers. This decision gimmick is not good. Uh, it was a Titus brand going against Heath Slater and Rhino. They got double DQ because they are having a big fight. And then Rhino included threw Heath Slater in the ring to get beaten up by the Dudleys. And that, again, that was great. In New York, although why the Dudleys beating someone up couldn't have been in the Manhattan Center is a different argument for a different time. But just weird, really. I don't know. I, and it's not like I was excited about any of this. Again, I shrugged my shoulders. It was just kind of a nice little bit on a nice evening. And now we just move on, I suppose. I think we could have done more with it. And it was nice that the Dudleys actually interacted with the current roster. I think that we did lack that throughout the night. But yeah. I felt like we could have done more here. Uh, we then moved into present-day programming. We got The Miz versus Roman Reigns. Oh, before that, we got a bit with all the general managers. It was what? William Regal, John Laurinaitis, Daniel Bryan, and who am I forgetting? 
Eric Bischoff. He got really good pops. That was cool. That was fine. That was nice. But yeah, then we got the Miz beating the Roman Reigns for the IC title. Miz Taraj got involved. You know, Miz uh, exposed the turnbuckle when the ref was distracted by the Miz Taraj and so was Roman Reigns. I think this was the right time to do it. We're moving into the Raw Rumble. I guess you want to kind of have the uh, 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 the idea that Reigns maybe could win. I don't think he will, but he could do. It's not out of the realms of possibility. And maybe if he's still the IC Championship, you, you take away from that a little bit or you dilute it. Um... And also, it's so obvious that Reigns eventually is going to go after the Universal title. We may as well put the IC title back on The Miz. Hopefully, he can try and add more prestige to it, and we can put him in a good program, and we can take it from there. That's, uh, that's the way I see it. And this match was fine. Like, it was decent. It was kind of obvious the Miz Taraj would have done this. It, it kind of followed the exact pattern you would expect it would, but I think they did a good job with it, and I think everybody came out how they should have done. The best thing... Best is not really the right word. The reaction that Roman Reigns got, and I understand it's more like a post-WrestleMania crowd, but the negative reaction he got was almost at the same level as Austin's positive reaction. It was huge. And when I heard that, I was like, no wonder Roman, no wonder they don't care. It made to me, it made Roman Reigns feel like a superstar. Like it really did. They really were invested in this person, even if it was hate. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That reaction he got made me think, if I was watching wrestling for the first time, I'd be like, this guy's a big deal. They care about listen to how much these people care about him. I tell you, man, I don't think the whole Roman Reigns thing is as bad as sometimes we make out. They need a, a face of the company, of course, but when he gets those kind of reactions, it just makes me think he's the man, even if it's the heel man. What I liked what they did next was they had the peep show with Christian, and they actually tied it into current storylines, took a legend, and they used it to progress the tag team stuff. Great. Great. Why couldn't we have had more than that? Um, basically, Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins came out to be his uh, guests. Jason Jordan got booed. He's such a heel. Uh, and you could tell that Seth Rollins still thought he was a bit of a dork. The bar came out. You know, it's like big back and forth. I hate you. I hate you. Jordan lost his temper. He attacked them. And what eventually happened was as Seth Rollins went to strike Cesaro, as Jason Jordan was holding him down, Cesaro moved and Jason Jordan got whacked in the face by Seth Rollins. So there's more dissension in the team. I'm convinced that eventually Jason Jordan will turn on Seth Rollins. And the match at Mania is going to be Rollins versus Jordan. And I think it was supposed to be Ambrose versus Rollins at Mania, right? Which would have been brilliant. But this is still okay. I think Jordan actually plays his role quite well. I don't know. I think at this point, you have to imagine that WWE are well aware that he has to be like a bit of a knob. And I think he does it all right. I don't mind any of this. My only worry is I now think that they're going to retain the titles at the Rumble and then we're going to have to have the bar versus this again. This really needs to be the blow-off for this feud. I've seen it way too many times. Um, and that's not their fault. That's just because they need more tag teams. But we'll get to that because something they did with the tag team later on in the night made me cry. Uh, then Alexa Bliss, Charlotte and Ric Flair had a segment just saying, hey, we're both champions. Isn't it great? Yes, it is. I'm very happy for you. And then Matt Hardy just lost to Bray Wyatt. It was good that this was in the Manhattan Center because at this point it was starting to get a bit like, are they going to do anything in the Manhattan Center? But they just there was no build-up to this match. I didn't Unless I missed it, but I didn't see anything on social media. I didn't see anything like that. And then he wanted... What's his face? Spray white one clean for his sister Abigail. And, said it's an ups and downs, the whole thing, the whole time, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler are going, oh, who's sister Abigail? Maybe one day we'll see. We saw her. It was Bray Wyatt in drag. Don't make me feel like a knob for remembering what happened on WWE programming. So that pissed me off. It pissed me off. I just felt like, oh, come on. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're doing with Matt Hardy. I don't know what they're doing with Bray Wyatt. They both feel completely directionless. I, I, this has to be the blow after the feud, right? He lost clean in five minutes. Is he going to come back next week? Unless they do something in the Rumble, potentially. I don't know. This was just very strange to me. Not, was I, not what I was expecting at all. Um, 
I just I don't get it. I don't. And to me, and we really need to start doing more with Woke and Matt Hardy now. I know I did that video for What Culture, and people said, um, "What do you call it? It's too soon. It's too soon." Well, I'd rather be. I said in the video, I'd rather be preemptive than reactive. Now is the time to strike. I don't think we need to muck around with Woke and Matt Hardy anymore. It's a really good character. Has all the potential in the world. We just have to have fun with it. And I don't think we're having fun with it. I did love his entrance. I do like his weird entrance with the laughter and the entrance music. It's so strange. Um, then we got a load of women legends out on the stage. It was cool. Trish Stratus was there. Lillian Garcia, Kelly Kelly, Jacqueline, Maria, Michelle McCool. They just waved, but it was nice to give a nod to those people. And then we had the segment that seems to be dividing people. It was Chris Jericho and Elias. Uh, Chris Jericho was mad that Elias was wearing a scarf and he wanted to play his guitar and he didn't. So he put him on the list. It was a very good segment, right? It was very funny, very entertaining. And I do like this character, this most recent WWE character that Jericho puts on. But I just think everything he did in New Japan changed Chris Jericho and it turned him into a superstar. And I mean like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker. I'm not saying he's on that because obviously they, they sold tickets <laughs> and merch. But he, to me, he had a new aura about him. I wouldn't have had him on this show. When he came back, I would have had him come back in a huge feud because now he, he feels like he was a legend anyway, but now he feels like a super legend to me. I just don't know whether this was the right use of him. I mean, argue it all you want. It doesn't really matter. He was still good. And he was wearing his Alpha Club t-shirt. Hilarious. Only Chris Jericho could get a New Japan slash Hot Topic t-shirt on WWE television. What a hero. What a hero that man is. Like, I've always liked Chris Jericho. I think I've said this loads of times, but I've never been like a super huge Chris Jericho fan. Like, he was never my Stone Cold Steve Austin. Everything he's done the last two years has completely changed my opinion on him. I think he's awesome. Um, and that's why I think this maybe was, I don't want to say beneath him. That's not fair. But The Undertaker would never have done this. I don't think Stone Cold or The Rock would ever have done this. And I think that's how we should start treating Chris Jericho, given he just went to one of the other biggest promotions in the world and completely tore it up. And then we had John Cena and Elias going at it again. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm not going to be too critical of this because I think this was meant to be Samoa Joe and John Cena, hence why Samoa Joe challenged him a few weeks ago. He got injured. There's only so much you can do. I totally get it. It was just John Cena once again interrupted Elias' song. Elias attacked him with a guitar. And yeah, a few weeks ago, we saw John Cena lose to Elias. Uh, other way around, sorry. Uh, Elias beat John... C no, for goodness sake, Simon. John Cena beat Elias clean. So there's no reason to do this. However, if people get injured, yeah, you've got to change stuff on the fly. So I don't really have a problem with that. It was fine. It was weird that John Cena didn't have much to do. But again, if plans change, you can, you can only do... You can do what you can. Then my new best friend, Mark Henry, had his segment. If you don't know, he tweeted me this week calling me... He said, I spoke bullshit. I only made a little joke about him in the Mark Henry. I thought it was a really nice Mark Henry video. Didn't like it. Uh, but he had a little backstage skit here with the Godfather where he hit on his wife, not knowing it was the Godfather's wife because he was being all sexual chocolate. It was fine. D'Lo should have been here though. Why was D'Lo Brown not in WWE's good books? Why was D'Lo Brown not invited to Raw 25? I want the answer to that question. At Simon Miller 316, why wasn't D'Lo Brown at Raw 25? He should have been and he should have been in this segment. It would have made it awesome. And Farouk should have been in this segment too. He shouldn't have done the APA stuff. We should have a nation stuff. Uh, then we had all the stuff with the Rhino and Heath Slater. Then we had a cool interview with AJ Styles where Mean Gene Oakland did the interview and AJ Styles pretended to be Hulk Hogan, but that was great because I'm old and every time I see Mean Gene, it reminds me of my childhood. And then the nostalgia stuff just kept on coming because we had the whole DX bit. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H came out. <laughs> Typo, Shane Michaels. Shane Michaels and Triple H came out. They were joined by the New Age Outlaws, X-Pac and Scott Hall. And they mentioned Ravishing Rick Rude. They mentioned China. It was just a cool little nod back to DX. Especially because then the Balor Club came out and they all two-sweeted them. And it's like a passing of the torch moment, which now I'm hoping means that Gallows and Anderson and Balor are actually going to have a good 2018 after the end of 2017. They're not doing anything. So that was exciting. But then we go from something that is that good 
to a complete 180 of that, it was Gallows and Anderson versus The Revival. The Revival lost in two minutes. And that, that kind of happens on Raw a lot, so I can, I can blink an eye and ignore that. But then DX beat the crap out of The Revival. Now, I understand DX is full of big stars, but the Raw tag team division right now needs tag teams desperately. This is what I was getting at earlier. The Revival are really good. They come across as a serious team. I don't mind joke teams, but it's good to have a serious team. They can wrestle, as they said last week, and they just got jobbed out to a bunch of retired guys. And I get it. Next week, we can forget about that entirely. I understand that. But I just, it does nothing for them. It does nothing, and they've only been back. Like, and after all the injuries as well, they probably need to be protected more and booked better. This was lost on me. I don't understand what the point was. I get that it's cool to see DX beat Pillar, but DX could have beaten up Heath Slater and Rhino. Or they could have beaten up the Ascension. You know, I know they're on SmackDown, but who cares? We have other teams on here. We could have done that. So, I don't know what the point of that was, but I'm very excited about now what WWE's plans for the Ballot Club is. I'm hoping that we're going to push them strong and huge, and then we have a cool matching plan for them at WrestleMania, because that's what they deserve. So that's good. Let's look on the bright side. Finished off with the Universal title staff. Kurt Angle came out with a load of wrestlers to try and stop them having a big brawl. That failed, because it's Lesnar, Kane, and Strowman. And they all just beat each other up. Kane got kind of the brunt of it. I don't think Kane got any offense in. Um, and eventually, after an F5 to Kane, that allowed Braun to recover after Lesnar had smacked him one, and he power-slammed him through a table, which was very nice. And that's how, it go, that's how Raw went off air. We, you know, we go off air with, um, excuse me, with Lesnar through a table, Kane on the floor, and Braun looks strong, which probably means at the Royal Rumble, Lesnar wins, Braun doesn't take the pin, Kane does, and everything is all hunky-dory. Everybody's in the position that they were really in beforehand, but that's kind of what this match is all about. And it, did, it, did, it was a good end to Raw. Like, I'm far more excited and ready for Lesnar, Kane, and Strowman than probably I would have thought I was at the start of this program, which means over the last few weeks, WWE's done a good job. Um... Yeah, and I guess that Lesnar wins and then somehow Reigns does something at the February pay-per-view. I mean, Lesnar's just going to disappear after Royal Rumble, you'd imagine. I'm interested to see what happens with Braun, because Braun apparently, people are saying he is going to have his Triple H match at WrestleMania. How we get there, I don't know. And Stephanie McMahon fired, rehired Braun last week. So maybe it ties into that, but I think we probably should have teased that on this show if that's the direction we were going in. I don't know if I said this, credit to Stephanie McMahon as well. She was very good at the start of Raw. We're always quick to knock her, so we should be, you know, we should praise her as well when she does when she does well. And look, this was a really entertaining episode of Raw, right? It felt different. The two different locations did allow the three hours to not feel like three hours. Having all these legends pop up was good. Of course it was, because it's nostalgic. But as we sit here ready for the Raw Rumble and ready for next week, has anything changed that much? Probably not. And maybe that is a flaw you could point out about sometimes why these shows need to... Not necessarily booked better, but maybe we could have gone a different direction. But I don't know. Look, I sit here. I enjoyed myself. I am sorry if you went to the Manhattan Center and paid loads of money and it wasn't what you were expecting. But that, I mean, it's not your fault. Of course it's not. But I guess that was always going to be a logistical problem. We're trying to run two buildings. But we will see. Now we go into SmackDown tomorrow. You may have seen all these rumors that Daniel Bryan is going to be in the Royal Rumble because his odds have been slashed to 4-1 to one from 60-61. Well, if that's happening, they better announce this tomorrow. So we, we will see. I don't think he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. Don't hold your breath. We'll see if anything happens with Shane McMahon, if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn do anything. And yeah, we'll, 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 look, this wasn't necessarily a good go-home show for the Rumble. In fact, I don't think the Rumble was ever mentioned once. So they better do something big on SmackDown tomorrow to remind people of that. So that should be interesting. And yeah, we'll see. That's Raw 25. I'll be intrigued to see what the rating is. 
I imagine that Austin segment did crazy numbers because, I mean, Start of Raw always does well. And then I bet there was word of mouth spreading that Stone Cold was there. And I bet that YouTube video does well too. Keep it on the YouTube video numbers for that Austin Stunner and McMahon. I'd say when all is said and done, way over 5 million. Way over. I think people will want to see that. But we'll see. We will see. So that's Raw for this week. That's the 25th anniversary of Raw. Again, we will be back for SmackDown tomorrow. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash 316. If you want to come on the podcast, so please check that out. YouTube.com forward slash the middle report rules. Again, check all those vlogs I'm doing. Watch this. Watch my face go from this camera to my screen where I check the audio. On Twitter at Simon316. The Facebook group is Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'd love you for go, to go listen to that. And uh, listen to that. Join that. That's where all the fun lies. And if you are on iTunes, please do subscribe, rate, do all that stuff, and share. Let, uh, the more people that can hear this, the better. Um, and that's pretty much it. Just go out there. Have a lovely day. Now I'm going to transition into the, the, um, the song by my band. I'm Chris Jericho at this point. <laughs> I hate it when Chris Jericho does it. What a hypocrite and what an asshole I am. But thank you very much for joining me, and I'll be back with you. 24 hours time. And, of course, go back in time 24 hours. And you can listen to the 25th anniversary preview show and hear how wrong me and Daniel McIver, my patron special guest, were. We couldn't have been more wrong. We talked about CM Punk at one point. No CM Punk. <laughs>